What's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. We've been looking at the uh, final section in our uh, study through the book of Exodus entitled The Tabernacle. And as we started this section on the tabernacle, I informed you that we're going to be approaching this a little bit differently. And the reason for that is because Moses, you know, shares with us all the details of the tabernacle twice. Uh, in chapters 25 through 31, we see the details of God giving a, uh, Moses all the intricacies, how the tabernacle was to be built, what it should be built out of, all the intricacies of the things in it. Uh, and then in chapters 35 through 40, we're told how the people did all of it. And, uh, and so twice we have the, uh, basically the same information. So instead of going through all these details twice, uh, I mentioned that I was just going to do one teaching on the tabernacle. And for the last few weeks, we've kind of dealt with the only few verses that um, in this section that actually aren't talking about uh, the tabernacle, which are chapters 32 through 34. And over the past few weeks, we've looked at what's happened on the in those chapters. We've seen how while Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days, that you know the nation of Israel built themselves a golden calf, were worshiping it. How God and Moses respond to that. And, you know, we kind of looked at all the details within that. And now we come and we're going to start tonight making our transition into our study of the tabernacle. And we have a really good chapter to kind of transition us into that, which is uh, Exodus chapter 34 or 5, sorry. And the reason it's a good um, transition chapter is because before you can build the tabernacle, you're going to have to have materials. You know, you can't just build it out of nothing. And you're going to have to have people with the giftedness to actually do this. So if we were going to build, you know, a building today, you'd have to have a general contractor, someone with the, the giftings and know-how and understanding, and you'd have to have people working for him, plumbers and, you know, carpenters and other things. Everybody would have to know, you know, how to actually put this together. And so not only do you need the materials, you need the gifted individuals in order for this to happen. And we're going to see here in Exodus chapter 35 and the very beginning of chapter 36, how God provides the materials for the tabernacle, but also how God provides the people who have the gift to actually build the tabernacle and what is necessary for it. And, you know, we're going to see... Um, as we look at how God provides for this, that, you know, this is really the same way in which he provides for the needs of the church. Because we can look at this and think, well, that's nice. You know, a couple thousand years ago, they built a tabernacle. What does that have to do with the church today? How does that have any bearing on us today? Well, because the same way that God provided for the needs uh, of the tabernacle and how he provided the people to meet those needs, it's the same way that he really provides for the needs of the church and how he provides people to meet the needs of the church. And so we'll see, you know, Several practical things that we can learn from this chapter, but really the main emphasis that we're going to see from this chapter, you know, is just a challenge to be willing to give. Give of your resources, give of your talents that God has given you, give of the giftings that you have in order to do the work that God has called you to do. And so we're going to pick up here in Exodus chapter 35, 
Starting in verse 1, it says this. Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kinder no fire throughout your dwelling on the Sabbath day. Now, we've already been told about the Sabbath, the law of the Sabbath, the details of the Sabbath. And I find very interesting that the first thing that Moses says is he's going to transition into, okay, we got lots of work to do, guys. We have this tabernacle. We have all these intricate things within the tabernacle that God wants us to build. Before he gets into the work of the tabernacle, notice the first thing that he reminds the nation Israel is the importance of taking the Sabbath day rest. And this was a once a week thing, that one day out of the week, every single uh, week, you would take a day to rest. And notice it's a day of rest to the Lord. You know, so you're, you're supposed to take time to physically rest, but it's to the Lord. So there's also this time of, of a spiritual connection, time with God. And so you see, you know, a, a physical resting and a spiritual connecting with the Lord. And, you know, I think that this is so important because with the huge amount of work and the significance of the tabernacle, the Israelites would have been tempted to, you know, well, we're just going to work every day until this is done. You know, this is such an important task. This is such an important thing that God has given us, you know, forget rest. You know, we're just going to keep going until this task gets done, until this project's over, because, you know, it's the tabernacle. It's the place where God's going to dwell. I mean, this is, this is so important. And, you know, we've just, you know, worshiped a golden calf. We kind of want to make up for that. And so we're just going to work and work. You know, I think there would have been a natural tendency that they would have been tempted to ignore the Sabbath day rest that God wanted them to take. And so the first thing that Moses says before he gets into the details of how they're going to move forward with building the tabernacle, he says, hey guys, don't forget the importance of the Sabbath. Don't forget the importance of taking a day of rest every week. You know, and I think this is a good practical reminder for us as well. I don't know if you're anything like me, but you know, I can get into this mode of working for God and, and having these tasks that I want to accomplish and these things that I want to do. And it's just like, man, I just want to get it done. And I'll just keep working and working and working. And the Lord is saying, no, you need to take time to rest. But there needs to be a day where you just say, you know what? We're not doing any work today. I'm just going to rest. I'm going to connect with Jesus. And it's an important thing for us because, you know, we'll burn out. Uh, it's something that, you know, I'm sure if you've been following the Lord any given time that, you know, you do, you serve, you do this work for him and you work and you work and all of a sudden you're just like, man, uh, when's the last time I've taken a break? When's the last time I really rested the way that I should? Yeah, I think we see a good example of this in the New Testament with two sisters, Mary and Martha. One chooses to work and work and work. The other chooses to rest before the Lord. And notice what Jesus says about these ladies. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. You know, serving God is a wonderful thing to do. It's something that all of us should seek to do. But you know what? Sometimes we get so focused on serving 
that we're distracted. It, it, it hinders us from something greater. And we see that with Mary and Martha. Mary had the greater thing that Jesus says, you know, I'm not going to tell your sister to serve because she's chosen something greater, which is to sit at my feet, to glean from me, to spend time with me. And, and you know, there needs to be that balance. It's not that we should just be like these monks who sit out, out and do nothing and just kind of, you know, spend time, you know, doing things. You know, there, there's a balance of service and, and, and time with the Lord, but sometimes service can be a distraction and hindrance from what God wants. And so there has to be that balanced rest that we put into that time. And this is what Moses is ultimately trying to challenge the nation of Israel with, of, hey, we're about to embark on a big project. There's going to be lots of work, but before we do that, let's remind ourselves of the necessity of rest. Now, in order for the tabernacle to be built, Israel's going to need materials. So the question is, where are they going to get them? You know, where are these materials going to come from? And the answer to that question is what we see here in verses 4 through 9. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, Ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. So Moses tells the people, hey, God gives a command to you. He wants you to take up an offering to the Lord, an offering to him. And ultimately, this offering included all the materials needed in order to build the tabernacle. And as we get into all the details, you're going to see why there needs to be so much gold and why there needs to be these precious stones and why there needs to be wood and goat's hair and purple. And all that stuff's going to make clear of why those necessary materials are needed. But God just says, hey, I want you to take up an offering and I want you to be willing to give of these different things that are going to be needed for the building of the tabernacle. But notice that the Lord was looking for a certain heart. He didn't say, you know, just like his Ten Commandments were like, you know, thou shalt not kill, you shall not do this and that. This wasn't one of those. This was, you know what, I'm looking for a certain heart that will give these things. Notice what God says. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring these materials as an offering to the Lord. Now, I find it interesting how God chooses to provide the materials for the tabernacle because when we've seen God provide miraculously all throughout the book of Exodus. So God could have just made it himself. I mean, he could have just, boom, there it is. Here's your tabernacle. I'm going to dwell here. Come and worship me. You know, he could have just said, okay, you know what? You're going to build it, but bam, there's the gold. There's the silver. There's the purple. There's the goat's hair. I'll provide it all. Just like I provided manna from heaven miraculously, I'll provide these materials for you miraculously. God could have chosen to do that, but he doesn't. He chooses instead to say, you know what? I want you to be a part of the work. I want you to give of what you have because in your possession, we have everything we need, all the materials necessary to build this tabernacle. And so I'm going to ask all of you who have a willing heart to give of these things so that we can accomplish the task of building this tabernacle. You see, God usually wants to involve us in his work. Yeah, he could do it all himself. He could do it all better himself. You know, when I look at the, you know, sharing of the gospel or different things, I think, yeah, you'd be much more effective using angels than us. You know, you'd be much more effective using other things. But God says, you know what? No, I want to include you in the work. 
I want you to do this. Why? Because it helps us. You know, as we give to him, it's not like God needs it. It's not like, well, you know, I didn't have enough gold. Thanks. Woo. I was about to go broke. You know, God doesn't need it. It's for our benefit. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to give so that you can be a part of this work. And that, you know, as you sit back and you see this tabernacle, hey, I, I was someone who gave to that. You know, this is something that I was a part of to make help happen. Well, there's the uh, materials necessary that needed to be given for the uh, tabernacle to be built, but there's also something else that's necessary. Okay, we got a bunch of materials. Great. Now what? All right, we got a pile of gold here. We got a pile of goat's hair here. We got a pile of acacia wood over here, and uh, it doesn't look like a tabernacle to me. You know, what, what are we going to do now? Well, now we need the people with the know-how and giftings to take that and actually build it into something that God specifically said he wanted. And so let's see how God provides those people in verses 10 through 19. And all who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets, the ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of covering, the table and its poles, all its utensils, the showbread, also the lamp for the light and its utensils, its lamps, and the oil for the light, the incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the, the sweet incense, and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar burnt offerings with its bronze grating, its poles, and all its utensils, and the laver and its base, the hangings of the cord, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the grate of the courts, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the courts and their cords, the garments of ministry, for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his son to minister as priest. So having all the materials for all the tabernacle needs was the first step in building the tabernacle, but the second step is gifted artisans. People who have the giftings to actually take these things. And notice the list, and we're gonna you might read some of this and be like, what is he talking about? We're going to get into this as we go through the tabernacle, you know, the table of showbread and, you know, the Ark of the Covenant and all this stuff. I mean, what's its significance? What's its purpose? You know, we're going to look into all that. So if you're kind of wondering that, that's coming. But, you know, he's listing all these things. All this stuff is going to have to be built. And there's little intricacies and I want it built just the right way. And so I need gifted people who can build these things. And so he's asking for those who are gifted. Gifted artisans, I need you to give me your time and your talents because it's going to take your talents and it's going to take your time in order to build this tabernacle, which is a big undertaking. Now, once again, God could have miraculously constructed it. He could have just said, okay, you provided the materials, great. There's the tabernacle, it's done. But no, just like he said, I want you to give to provide, I also want you to give of your talents. I want you to give of your giftings and your time so that you can build this. You guys are the ones that I want to partner with me in the construction of this tabernacle. So the first thing that God has Israel do with regard to the building of the tabernacle is, hey, if you have a willing heart, I want you to give of all these things. These are the things that we need. And so if you have some of that, then if you're willing, please give it. And second, if you are someone who is a gifted artisan, you, you have the talent to help build, then I need you to give of your talents and time. So first Moses communicates this message from God, the need for this, and now let's see how the people respond to the need that God presents. Verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, 
And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service and for the holy garments. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, and all jewelry of gold, that is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, red skin of rams and badger skin brought them. And everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering. And everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplates and spices and oil for the lights, for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord, all the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work, which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. So the first thing I want you to note, after Moses says, hey, here's the need. We're going to build this tabernacle. We need materials. We need people who have the gifting and talent to help build this. You know, notice how the people respond. First thing, all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And I think this is so important when we think of Moses is presenting this big need, but notice he allows everyone to go home. Everyone gets to go home and go back to their tent, and in their tent, they can pray. In their tent before the Lord, they can decide, you know what, is this something that I willingly want to offer? Is this something that I want to give, whether it's of my resources or my talents or my time? He lets them go away between them and the Lord to make a decision as to whether or not they want to be someone who gives to the Lord. You see, notice Moses in the the moment when they're all standing before them doesn't have this kind of high pressure, manipulative giving tactic of, you know, you got to stand up right now and you got to raise your hand. Who's going to give gold? All right. All right. You're giving gold. You're giving gold. All right. Now, who's going to give silver? It's not this manipulative, you know, I'm going to force you. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to make it so that you're not leaving here until we raise all the different things that we need for this. It's like, here's the need. Go home. You guys can go. You guys, between you and the Lord, you can decide whether or not this is something that you want to do. Notice he doesn't say, all right, let's have a contest. All right, tribe of Dan, come on up. Tribe of Judah, you guys come up. We got scales back here. We're going to see who gives more. You know, who's the real giving tribe here? And you know, we see this unfortunately in the church today. A lot of manipulation when it comes to giving. A lot of different nonsense to try to, you know, bring up these types of things to try to just force people to give, and it shouldn't be that way. Notice that we see here, it's just like, hey, it's willing, and you guys go away. If you want to do it, great. If you don't, that's your choice, but it's between you and God. You make a decision in your own tent, in your own time, and if you want to do it, you can come back and you can give it, but I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to try to force you. I'm letting the need be known, and you can respond the way that you feel you should. And I think this is a great example of how we should approach letting the needs of God's ministry be known. You know, unfortunately, if you've been a part of the church world for any length of time, you, you see pastors especially take advantage of this, kind of manipulate people into you know, trying to give more. And you know, it's just not the way that God designed it. It's not the way that God wants it. Um, and you know, we should just let people... Make that choice. It's really between them and the Lord. I mean, that's one of the things why in our church service, we don't pass around the offering plate. 
You know, we have a, a tithe box in the back. Why? Because it's between you and God. I don't want you to feel like, oh, this person's looking at me. I better give, you know, whatever. You know, if you don't want to give, that's up to you. You know, it should be a willing thing that you do for the Lord. So Moses lets the people depart. He tells them the need. But notice their response. Verse 21. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought what was needed for the tabernacle. Notice we're told two very important things about this group that did actually respond to the, the thing that God said we needed. It says, first, their heart was stirred, and second, their spirit was willing. The people who gave to the tabernacle, they had a heart that was stirred to give. You know, the Hebrew word here translated stirred means to be moved, motivated, inspired, or stirred to do something. And so these people went back to their tent. You know, their heart was moved. It was motivated. It was inspired. Like, I want to be a part of this. I want to give of my resources or of my talent or of my time to the building of the tabernacle. And notice the one who's moving people's hearts. The ones who's motivating them is not Moses up front. Moses trying to, oh, I'll get them. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do that. And it's not motivation. That's manipulation. No, the motivator is God. As they're back in their tent, they're motivated. Their heart is moved. It's stirred because God is stirring people's heart. He's saying, hey, I'm going to move in you so that you will respond with the things that I want to accomplish through you. So the first thing we see with these people that gave to the Lord was their heart was stirred. And the second thing we see is that their spirit was willing to give. You know, and this is something I really want to emphasize because we see it repeated over and over again. We started in verse 5, that they, whoever is of a willing heart, verse 21, whose spirit was willing, verse 22, as many as had a willing heart, verse 29, the people brought a free will offering to the Lord, all the men and women whose hearts were willing. We Over and over, this willing, it wasn't like you have to. God didn't even want it. If you feel like you have to, don't even give. I want those who willingly want, you want to be a part of this, you want to give to the tabernacle, those are the people I want to give. You know, whenever you see a word or phrase repeated over and over again, especially in this short period of a chapter, you know, the author is wanting to bring out the significance of, hey, this is the kind of giving that God was asking of the nation of Israel. Give not because you feel like you have to, give because you're willing to, you want to, not because, oh, I feel forced if I don't do it, what is God going to do? No, just do it because you want to. You're willing to. You know, this is the kind of giving that the New Testament tells us God desires from us as well. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So it starts with the premise of, you know, we all should give, but notice as he purposes in his heart that you've got to make a choice as to, you know, what you're going to give, how you're going to give, but make sure it's not grudgingly. Oh, great. All right. I got to do it. Give to God again or out of necessity. You know, the Bible says that I better do it. No, God loves a cheerful giver. Do it because you're happy to. If you can't give happily, I don't think God wants your money because he doesn't need it. This is about you. It's for you. And if you're just going to be, oh man, I got to do this. I hate giving to the Lord. This is so horrible. Then keep it. I know for us, you know, if that's the way you want to give to the church, I'd rather you just keep it. You know, God will provide and his heart is that people would give 
because they're happy to. A cheerful giver. I want to be a part of the work of God. I want to give to what God has. I'm happy to give of my resources, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's talents. I don't care. I'm excited to be a part of the work of the Lord. And I'm not doing this because I feel like, man, I got to give 10% or I got to give this or I got to do whatever. No, hey, I just want to do it because my heart has been moved by God and I want to respond in a cheerful way. That's the heart God desires us to give him. And I think too often in the church world, that's not the heart we give for, with. And we need to recognize that's the way that the Lord wants us to give. Well, in verses 20 through 29, we're told that many people give. There's men, there's women, people from all different backgrounds. But notice it's not just the wealthy. You think, well, I mean, gold, precious stones, silver. I'm sure a majority of the nation of Israel could have thought, well, I don't have that, so I guess I can't give. But you know what? There's plenty of things on that list that they could give. Goat hair? Uh, most of them had goats. So given goat hair, yeah, I got that. I got that covered. I can give that. But notice that it's not like, well, if you give gold, well, then you're really a great giver. If you give goat hair, well, you can kind of you know, join the masses over here of you guys pathetic givers. You know, that's not how God saw it at all. Well, hey, here's the need. Here's what we have. Whatever you have to offer, whether you're rich or poor, bring what you have. And God will be blessed by that. God will be encouraged by that. The focus is not on the amount of giving. The focus is on the heart of giving. And this is how we see the Lord focused on us today when we think about giving. It's not about the amount. And I think that's where so many people are like, man, I'm just, I don't have much to give, and so I just won't give anything at all. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. You know, what is your heart? As we already noted, is it just this grudging heart? Is it this necessity giving? Or is it, you know, I want to give. I wish I had more to give, but here, Lord, here's what I do have. And it's not much, but here, it's yours. I want to give it to you. I want to give it to your service. I want to give it to your kingdom. I want to give it to your work. I think we see a great example of this in Luke chapter 21. And Jesus looked up and saw the rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood she had. So Jesus is standing next to the temple. You have this treasury where people come and they put money in to, to give to the temple treasury. And you got all these wealthy people and they're putting in large sums of money. And we even know, as Jesus spoke about a lot of the religious leaders, you know, they wanted to be seen. And, oh, look at how much money I'm putting in. I'm so spiritual. And so you got this group of people putting in money. And here's this poor widow, has pretty much nothing. And she comes up and she gives two mites. Two mites is less than two pennies in worth today. So it's pretty much worthless. And she puts that into the offering. And notice what Jesus says. And his response shows that he's not speaking about the amount. He's speaking about the heart of the givers. He says that she gave more than all. Why? Because the rest of them gave out of their abundance. She gave everything she had. The two pennies, all she had left here, it's for you, Lord. I'm going to give it to you. And they're like, man, I got, you know, a hundred grand. Here's a hundred. Well, yeah, that's not much when you got a hundred grand. They were giving out of their abundance. She gave it all. But the, the bottom line was the heart. God saw her heart. He was blessed by her heart. It had nothing to do with amount. It had all to do with the heart. And regardless of how much money you have, that should be really where it starts. Where is your heart when it comes to giving? So we're told in verse 29, the children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing 
to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, commanded to be done. Another thing I want to point out is they brought their free will offering to the Lord. Several times in this passage we see an offering to the Lord, offering to the Lord, it's to the Lord. And let's not lose sight of that. This wasn't an offering given to Moses. This wasn't an offering given to the nation of Israel. This is an offering specifically saying, Lord, this is yours. It might be being used to build a tabernacle that's going to benefit us as a nation. You know, Moses might be overseeing a lot of the work, but it's not going ultimately to him, and it's not ultimately going to the nation. It's first and foremost an offering to you. You're the one who's asked of it, and we are responding by giving to you what you have asked us to give. And I think this is something so important that we lose sight of so often as we give today that we think, well, I'm giving to the church. Or maybe you think I'm giving to the pastor or I'm giving to this ministry. Or, I'm giving to that. And you, you, yeah, your giving does benefit the church. It does benefit people in ministry. It does benefit that maybe that missionary who, who you're giving to or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, don't lose sight of first and foremost, I'm giving to the Lord. And if you just think, well, I'm just giving to this individual or I'm giving to this ministry and you're not really recognizing, well, no, actually before that, more important to that, it's to God. And this is God's church and this is God's ministry and this is God's missionary and all these things that I'm seeking to give to you, they're ultimately for him. And I bring that up because I think so often this should influence the joy in giving. It should influence, you know, our heart to giving because if we really, you know, sometimes we think, well, <laughs> I don't want to give to that person, you know, or I don't want to give to that ministry, or, you know, maybe we just have some, you know, whatever thoughts towards, you know, the, the man run things. But the reality is, hey, I, I'm giving ultimately to the Lord. And because of that, my heart should be one of joy because of all that he's done for me. I just want to respond in giving back to him. And it's not like I just put it out in the middle of the field and the Lord sucks it up into heaven. He says, no, the way that you give to me is I want you to support the ministries that I'm doing. And that could be the local church, that could be other things. And so those are the avenues in which we give to the Lord, but ultimately we're giving it to Him. So the first step of receiving the materials for the tabernacle has taken place. And now we're going to see the second step. Great! People were willing, they gave all this stuff, they got all that they need for the building of the tabernacle, but it's still just going to be piles of stuff unless we got the right people with the right talents. So let's see how that comes together. We're going to look at the end of verse 39, uh, 35 in the beginning of verse 36. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezael, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him and Aholiab, the son of Ahismuk, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker and blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen and the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. And Bezael and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezael and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom's heart the Lord had put wisdom 
everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing him free will offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a command and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing for the materials that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed too much. The building of the tabernacle, as we're going to see, is something that's very specific. God's just not like, you know what, just throw up a tent, however you do it, that's fine. Within this tent are very specific things, and they all are symbolic of very important things to come. And so God has very detailed in how he wants this to go. And we're going to look at the details. We're going to look at the importance of them. So he needs people who aren't just going to throw this together that are craftsmen who can put this together just like the Lord wants it. Now, I want you to realize, you know, before this, what are the Jews? They're a bunch of slaves. You know, they they didn't have like all this training to be these, you know, I mean, some of them could lay brick because they were doing that, you know, as slaves, but, you know, to be a really good craftsman, to have, you know, the, the ability to make these beautiful tapestries, the ability to work with gold. You think the Egyptians gave them, you know, that, you know, so, um, they didn't have this, you know, the, you know, even if it was in them, they didn't have the experience to actually do this, but notice that this is a supernatural gifting that God specifically starts with two men, two men that he says, I'm going to give the giftings necessary for the building of the tabernacle. And these two men are Bezael and Aholiab. And they're basically the general contractors for the building of the tabernacle. But notice that we see as we read this, that the Lord is gifting others who come under these guys and work with them. But these are the guys that God has said, man, I'm going to give you the big picture. I'm going to give you, you know, just how to work with all the different things that are necessary. And then I'm going to give this guy a gifting with gold and he's going to come help. And I'm going to give this guy a gifting with tapestries and he's going to help. I'm going to give this person a gifting with, you know, building and, and, and weaving together the goat's hair for, for the overall, you know, um, covering. And each person I'm, I'm going to have and I'm going to gift and they're going to come and they're going to be used for the building of this tabernacle. And so God is the one who's giving these giftings for the specific expertise. But notice these two men who are in charge, we're also told God gave the ability to teach. It's one thing to say, man, I can build this, but you know, a lot of people who are gifted at a certain thing, they're not very gifted at communicating and teaching others to do it as well. You know, they're real skilled. I mean, you probably work with them. You know, you might have people that they're very skilled in what they do, but they're completely incompetent of taking someone else and training them to do that as well. Uh, and so God's not only giving them, it's like, all right, everybody sit back and watch these two guys. They're going to put on a way, amazing show. Look at all that they're going to be able to do. No, they had all the know-how. Also, they had the ability to teach. So this person comes alongside and God's given them the ability to do stuff and they're going to teach them. Okay, this is how you do it. This intricacy here, this is how you work with the gold, this is how you build this, this is how you take the acacia wood and, and, and do these different things. They were gifted not only in what God called them, but also to teach others so that others could learn as well. And I think this is a great picture. As I mentioned at the beginning, we see with both of these things, we've seen how the Lord ultimately provides for the church is through people giving, just like they gave you know, to the tabernacle. But this is another great picture of how the Lord does things when it comes to leadership in the church, when it comes to serving in the church, when it comes to accomplishing what God has called the church to do. God has also gifted people to make this happen. 
We see part of that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is called the, the fivefold ministry because you have five different specific giftings that God has given of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. But notice the ultimate purpose. Uh, this isn't all the giftings that the church needs, but this is a specific leadership gifting. Uh, but notice their ultimate um, ministry is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, when I grew up in the church, you know, I used to think, well, okay, the pastor's job and the people in full-time ministry, they're supposed to do it all. You know, they're supposed to do the work of the ministry, and we kind of just come and watch them do it and, you know, give our tithes so that it can support them to do it. But, but they, they do the ministry. They minister to us, and it's all on them. And then when I studied to be a pastor and I come to a passage like this, I realized, well, wait a second. My role as a pastor is not to do the work of the ministry. Notice, it's to equip others to do the work of the ministry. That the work of the ministry is actually not meant to be done by the pastor, by the prophet, by the evangelist, by the teacher, by the apostle. Their role is to equip other people to accomplish the work of ministry. And just like we're going to see with the tabernacle, these guys that God put a charge, it's not like, hey, they're going to do everything. They're going to build it all. No, they're going to teach and help train others to help build and do this big task of accomplishing the tabernacle building. You see, ministry of the church isn't just to be done by those in what we quote-unquote called full-time ministry, those who are pastors or others. You know, it's something that all of us have giftings from God that he wants us to use. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, something the Bible is clear on, when you accept Jesus... One wonderful thing that you get is the Spirit of God indwells you. But another wonderful thing the Bible tells us is He gives you a gift. He gives you something that He now wants you to use for the service of God, for the glory of God, for the edification of others in the body of Christ. It's not like, oh, I have this gift and now I just hold on to it and do nothing with it. It's like, no, I've given you this and I've given you this gift that's a little different and this gift and this gift. And when you all use your gifts, then the body of Christ functions the way that it should. You know, Paul gives a picture of the human body. It's like, you know, the, like the pastor may be, you know, the, the mouth uh, or, or whatever. And it's like, but if, if all we are is just that, then the rest of the body isn't functioning properly. You know, we have people with the giftings of, you know, moving the toes. And, you know, we have the, the inner you know, organs. And we have, you know, all these other things in the brain, whatever. You know, each person has a different gift. And for the body to function properly, everybody's got to use them. But when someone doesn't, there's a portion of the body that's not working. It's not working the way that God designed it to. And so, as we see here, there's all these gifted people, but they had to be willing to use their gifts. Just like they had to be willing to give, God says, I want willing givers of gold, of goat's hair, of whatever in between. I also, I'm not going to force you to come use the gift. I'm not going to force you to come give your time and your talents. you got to willingly say, hey, you know what? I feel like the Spirit of God has given me this gift, and I offer it for the service of the building of the tabernacle, or in our context today, I offer it to the service of the Lord in the church. I offer it to the service of the Lord in the world as well. That, God, you've given me this gift, and I want to use it for your glory, not waste it. And notice what we're told in verses 4-7 through seven of chapter 36. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from 
working he was doing. And they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a command and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing for the materials they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. This is just a, a wonderful picture. We see the, the, you know, here, here's the need. And so many people respond to the need that, you know, these guys who are building saying, man, we got way more gold. Wait a second. We got, we got way more of everything. Moses, tell the people to stop giving. You know, we don't need any more materials. And they've given more than enough for this. And notice Moses doesn't say, be quiet. We're just going to collect as much as we can. You know, we're stockpiled over here. We'll build something. We'll put all that gold in there. We'll keep that. He doesn't say that at all. It's the Lord said, you know what? I want to give the, the people to give for this particular project, the building of the tabernacle. And Moses said, hey, we got everything for that project to be done. We don't need any more. We're not going to try to get more from you. We're not going to try to manipulate that. Moses stops the people, doesn't take advantage of their willing hearts to give. Shows great integrity by not gathering more than the project needed. But you know what? I, I kind of think as I was reading this, I wonder how the person who might have waited, you know, they go home in the tents and maybe they wait a day or a week and I don't know if I want to give to the service of the Lord. And then they finally say, yeah, I feel the stirring of God. Let's do it. And they come later than everyone else. And it's like, oh, we don't need what you have anymore. And maybe they walked away kind of bummed out. Like, you know what? If, if I would have just responded right away when the Lord stirred my heart, I would have been able to give and have it actually been able to be used. But now, because I kind of just pushed that off, then I think in, in our own context, there's times when the Lord's like, here, I want to use you right now. I want to use your gifts. I want to use your talents. I want to use your time. Eh, you wait maybe months, maybe years, and then, all right, now. It's like, well, you know what? In that particular area, other people have stepped forward. Other people are meeting that need, and so that, that need's no longer you know, necessary for you to fill uh, but, you know, this is just, I love what I see here of just the heart of willingness, and they give so much that the people had to be told, stop giving. I remember when Harvey hit, and there were so many churches who were like, man, we have all these practical things that we need. We need water, we need diapers for babies, we need baby food, we need all this stuff. And there were churches who had full gymnasiums packed literally saying, stop bringing stuff. <laughs> because the, the people responded so well, where it was like, you know what? Awesome. You guys have given more than we're ever going to be given out. So stop. We, we don't need any more diapers. We don't need any more stuff. God bless you. Thank you. But it, it was just great to see like, man, they actually had to stop people from giving to meet the need, which isn't something that usually happens. It's not typically that, you know, there's a request that goes out for giving and you're like, well, we're overwhelmed. No more. Uh, it's often like, hey, we still haven't met the goal. But, you know, we see that sometimes and we see that here with the nation of Israel. And it just shows a wonderful heart that they had. Not only did they give of their resources, but they gave of their gifts and of their talents. And you know what? We don't see too many times in the book of Exodus the nation of Israel as good examples. You know, typically we're looking at them and like, don't do this. Yeah, don't worship golden calves. Not a good idea. Here is one of those times where it's like, you know what? What they did is a great example. God says, here's a need. Will you meet it? Will you willingly give of your resources? Will you willingly give of your time? Will you willingly give of your talents for this work that I have that's going to be a blessing to all of you? And we see that they gave more than was needed for the work to be done. And I just want to leave us 
with that example and also the challenge of, are you willing to give those things to the Lord? Are you willing to give your resources? You know, for some people, that's the hardest thing. It's like, Lord, you can have my time. You can have my talents. But, you know, I work hard for this money. You're not having that. That's mine. I'll spend it on myself. You know, that's a place where a lot of people are like, I'm not willing to give that. And if that's where you're at right now, I just want to say that's not where God wants you to be. And so don't just be content with that. You know, go away to your house. Ask the Lord, Lord, you know, I want to be someone who's willing to give up this. You know, I, I struggle with it. You know, I want to hold on to it. You know, I, I just feel like if I give this away, you know, oh man, you know, who's going to take care of me type of mindset. And it's like, no, Lord, I, I want to give of this area of my life. But maybe you're like, man, money, great, Lord, you can have it. My, my time? No, 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 no. My, my talents, those are mine. I'm going to spend that the way that I want to, not on the things that you tell me to. And so you're willing to give of money, but not really of many other things. You know, Jenny and I were missionaries for years, and you know, we found lots of people, usually people who are real well, well off. You know, they're just like, hey, here's a check. No problem. God bless you. But I noticed with a lot of them, there was not really much of any service, not much of the giving of their time, giving of their talents. It was real easy for them to write a check because they had lots of money. It wasn't much of a sacrifice to be like, here, God bless you. No, I'm grateful that they were willing to do that for us. It blessed us, and it's a good thing to do. But the Lord wants all of it, not just a, you know giving of our resources, but he says, I want your time. I want your talents because I've given all to you. It's ultimately all mine. You know, I've given you the time each day. I allow you to breathe. I allow you to actually live. I want you to live for me. I want you to give back to me the time that I've given to you. I've given you the gifts that you have. I want you to live for me with those. I've given you the ability to earn the money and to get the resources you have. And I want you to give to the work that I have with those things. But I don't want to force you to do it. You know, I, I love that about God. It's not like, hey, <laughs> you're going to give it whether you want to or not. You know, I will force you to give to me your money. I will force you to give to me your time. No, he says, all I want is willingness. Because there's plenty of people in the church world who don't. Plenty of people who aren't willing. And the challenge for myself and the challenge for yourselves as well is just to evaluate your life in this area and say, Lord, am I a willing giver in all of these areas like I should be? And if in any of those areas the answer is no, that you would go away, Lord, change my heart. Help me to be willing to give to you what it is you desire of me to give to you. Because I can guarantee you the best life is one that gives to the Lord. The best life is one that says, I'm going to use my gifts for God's glory, not my own. I'm going to use my money for God's kingdom, not storing up my own treasures here on this earth. I'm going to use my time for God's glory, not for the pleasures of this world. And we discover not only is it a blessing in this life, but there is a blessing to come and rewards to come for all eternity, for all that we do in this life for the Lord. So a challenge for each one of us